Hello, I'm Kyle Homewood, Director of Community Engagement and Special Programs at Arizona Opera. It's my pleasure to welcome you to this episode of the Arizona Opera Podcast. Though the current global health pandemic has forced us to cancel our final performances of the season, Arizona Opera is still hard at work making preparations for future seasons and also finding new ways to engage with our community and audience members. One of the ways in which we're doing this is looking beyond our main stage productions and featuring some of our programs that take place behind the scenes or throughout our community. At Arizona Opera, we call these our next-gen programs, and they focus on developing the next generation of opera artists, audience members, and philanthropists. Over the next several weeks, we'll be releasing stories, photos, interviews, and podcasts that feature these different programs. And the best way to make sure that you catch all of this content is to like us on the various social media platforms, particularly Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The most in-depth looks into these programs will be through the Arizona Opera podcast, where I'll be talking with the various staff members and artists that bring these programs to life. So if you're curious about how Arizona Opera brings performances and other programs to 50,000 students each year, or perhaps the skills that are required to build costumes in the world of opera, or you want to know what it takes to become an up-and-coming opera singer, then make sure you stay tuned for this and future episodes of the Arizona Opera Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to present a conversation with Arizona Opera's Director of Education, Cassie Robel. We talk all about the various education programs that happen through Arizona Opera each year. Additionally, I talked with an artist and also a teacher that interact with these programs and the students that they reach. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Director of Education, Cassie Robel. All right, Cassie, can we start with you introducing yourself? I'm Cassie Robel, and I'm the Director of Education at Arizona Opera. I'm so glad that we got this chance to uh, sit down in our different places and talk about the the wonderful programs that you manage at Arizona Opera. It's odd for everybody listening to this. It's a little bit odd uh, to be interviewing you, Cassie, because we do work so closely. Um, Cassie and I used to share an office, uh, so we we worked together very closely, know each other very well. But uh, Cassie, since you run these programs and you have perhaps the best insight into their impact within our community. Um, I thought it would be great to have you speak about them. So, so thanks again for, for joining me for this. So Cassie, remind me, how long have you been at Arizona opera? I've been at Arizona opera for about three and a half years now. Excellent. And you've been in the education department, the entirety of your time with Arizona opera, right? I have. Yeah, I came in um, and was hired as the education manager running solely the K-12 programs, which was awesome, and then have since transitioned to become the director of education. That's great. And your background, you have a degree in, in music education, right? I do. I graduated from Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, with my degree in music education. Um, Specifically, I am a flute player. Um, So working in opera is really awesome because I'm not a singer. However, I do get to utilize the musician background that I have because opera encompasses all of it, which is which is amazing. 
Yeah, and I imagine that that background in music education really informs the work that you do and the decisions that you make when it comes to planning out these programs and having an idea of what is beneficial for students and for teachers when they're interacting with these programs. It does. Um, I actually did my student teaching and everything like that. So it gives me a unique background, actually not being a vocalist um, to kind of be behind the scenes and from a different point of view, know how to teach and help teachers with things like state standards and really checking those boxes and helping them um, with their own education. And I create lesson plans and things like that to help make their job easier. And it's nice. um, Opera is not something that I studied a ton in college Um, in such a tiny town. We didn't have any operas come through. Um, So it's nice that I have a background in a different type of um, musical platform and then I can call on my colleagues to help me with the opera side so I'm kind of able to dig into the education world a little differently than someone um, that has a vocal performance degree or something like that would. So I think something that a lot of people probably don't know is that when it comes to the number of people that we reach and interact with as a company as Arizona Opera Uh, we actually reach substantially more students and uh, people under the age of 18 than we do our audience members that come to see our full-scale productions, right? We do. Um, It's it's interesting. We really run, uh, my calendar is a school year calendar, so September through May, um, when our opera season is really kind of October through April. So um, we're doing, you know, hundreds of shows Um, throughout that time. So yeah, we reach about 50,000 kids throughout those, those months. That's amazing. So let's, can you give us an overview of what kind of the main programs are within the education department at Arizona Opera? Yeah, we have two main programs. Uh, The first one, which is our in-school program, it's called um, the Arlen M. Brewster Opportunity Program. Um, And Opportunity is a program that takes adapted operas, or it takes operas that we adapt down into 40 minutes, we put them in English, um, and often minimally change themes to make them appropriate for um, school age children. This year, um, we are or were performing Cinderella, um, which is actually an adaptation from La Cenerentola and Cendrillon, um, and was done by Joshua Borths. So Opportunity as a whole provides students with an opera experience, but it's in their own schools. Um, And I work really hard with our scenic studio and costume shop to really create an authentic experience for them. I want them to walk into their gym and feel like they're at the opera center, even though they may not be able to travel there. Um, And Opportunity uh, happens in both Tucson and in Phoenix. Um, throughout those September through um, May months. And then our other big program is Student Night is um, a night that teachers and uh, families can bring their students to the theater to watch a real main stage opera. Um, We reserve our final dress rehearsal um, and often have, you know, 1,500 students in in the audience at Symphony Hall, which is an incredible thing. And not only is it a great experience for the students, but the performers on stage love the feedback from the students that they get during these nights. So we offer that for all five of our main stage operas. 
Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about the Opportunity Tour. So as you said, it's a, an adapted version. I don't know if you already mentioned, but is it's usually like 40 or 45 minutes, correct? Yeah, we try and make the entire program 45 minutes. And so 35 to 40 of that is the actual show. And then the remaining amount of time is a question and answer session between the students and the artists. Awesome. Okay, so I also have a few more questions because I think for most people you hear, okay, an adapted full-scale opera with students in a school, how does that actually happen? So it, particularly with Cinderella. So it's based off of um, two different operas, both about Cinderella, one that's in Italian and one that's in French. So what happens with that? Right. So there are a ton of parts to get this one product together, but um, we start by simply creating a script and a score. So uh, Joshua Bortz, who previously worked for Arizona Opera and was writing our shows at the time, actually continues to write the shows for us. So I went to Josh probably a year or so now. And I said, Josh, we have to do Cinderella. Cinderella is a classic story that everybody knows. Um, it's a fairy tale. And there are literally two operas that follow this story. And I said, can you put them both together? Because La Cenerentola is more traditional and and it's really follows the story of Cinderella, but there's no magic or anything like that. And Cendrillon has that magic, the fairy godmother character. Um, and so I went to Josh and said, can you do this? And he said, sure. Um, and he wrote the script and he takes pieces of each opera and kind of morphs them together and then really loosely translates the words. So sometimes we have to change some themes. Um, we like to write shows, you know, about bullying, um, about helping others, things that are relatable to kindergarten through fifth graders, um, things that they're learning about now, how to be good peers and things like that. So yeah, Josh does a lot of the script writing and score work and the translations and, um, and I'm thankful for that. He does an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And so then the music uh, as it's being performed in place of the orchestra, we have a pianist, correct? Correct. Yep. And then how many singers typically for one of these shows? We typically try and have four singers. We like to have one of each voice type. Um, we have a soprano, a mezzo soprano, a tenor and a baritone. Um, and this gives the students a good idea of the voice types that are out there. We all we know that there's there's others out there, but these are our main voice types that we can teach the students about. So most of our shows have those four. Okay, perhaps most challenging question. Uh, or maybe not a difficult question, but something that could be puzzling to, to people who aren't familiar with this program. Sure. How does the set and how do the costumes happen? How do you take those things to 100 different schools? Yeah, so um, this year I actually, for the first time, hired a set designer um, and used our Arizona Opera Scenic Studio to build a new set. Um, and they did a fantastic job. So I really went to our set designer and I said, you know, we're designing a Cinderella show. Um, I really trust your input. However, they need to be able to set it up and take it down in 15 minutes and it needs to fit into a 15 passenger van. Um, and she took that challenge and ran with it and created something amazing. And then I went to my scenic studio and 
gave them all of the plans and said, this needs to fit into a 15 passenger van and the materials need to be light enough for the artists to put together and take down. Um, and our technical director did an amazing job um, finding materials and things like that. And then um, everyone at the scenic studio uh, worked together and built it and painted it um, and came up with an incredible product that is nothing like we've ever had before, which is which is amazing. And the kids audibly say wow and gasp as they're walking into their gym because they've never seen anything like it. Um, and similarly with the costumes, we have a fantastic costume. Um, our costume shop manager, Kathleen Trot, um, and her child actually designed the costumes for Cinderella. Her child is, I believe, 14 at this point, and they did all of the designs. And then our costume shop built all of the costumes based on the designs. Um, and it, everyone's incredibly talented and created this amazing product that all these kids get to see now. That's amazing. I think uh, we'll have to put some pictures of this production uh, on social media. So make sure you find Arizona Opera on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we'll have some pictures up there so you can check it out because it, it really does look amazing. It's great, the work that, that all these people have done to put this together. I'm excited. It's traveling to Tucson in September, hopefully. So um, a bunch more kids will get to see it. So what's it like then uh when the performance goes in front of school-age children? I imagine these are probably kids that have never seen opera before, maybe don't know what to expect. What is their reaction to seeing this? It's incredible. A lot of times they have no idea what to expect. So maybe they used our study materials to do a couple lessons and things like that, but you know they never listened to opera. So oftentimes when the singing starts, there's jaw drops, there's laughter because they've never heard a voice do what an operatic voice does. Um, the cutest thing is when they leave to hear them trying to mimic opera singers and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's just incredible. The students' reactions are really authentic. And that's what I love the most about it. They really show you how they're feeling and they're so engaged in the performance and what's going on. It's, it's something like, I mean, it's really hard to imagine unless you're in the room, but the authenticity of young people is incredible. And, um, often we go to these schools year after year. Um, and my Tucson teaching artist, Deanna said something to me this year that has really stuck with me. And Deanna has actually been with us for four years now. And, um, she mentioned to me that she noticed that the behavior of the students was really good this year. I always ask them, you know, were there any issues, anything I need to address? And she said, you know, there really wasn't. And she was like, I think it's because they've seen opera so many times. They've, they're now in their fourth year of seeing the performance. They've learned how to be good audience members and how to attend a performance. And, and that's really the goal is to, to share with them this experience. And hopefully they'll then become opera lovers and arts lovers and attend performing arts activities and theaters and things like that. And to know that we're making that sort of difference in teaching these kids that may not have these experiences otherwise is, is pretty amazing. You know, I talked with uh, another artist who has participated in, in several of these tours, um, a singer named Janina Galloway, and she actually has experienced this process on both sides. Um, I know you know this, Cassie, but for our audience members, uh, she was an artist singing in the troupe, 
and now is a school music teacher and gets to experience having her students witness this program. Um, and she had some fun things to say about what that whole experience is like. So let's listen to some of that now. So Janina, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about what it's like being in this opportunity troupe. It's a pretty interesting thing that happens, you know, having these singers go around to schools and performing shorter versions of, of operas. What was that like for you? For me, it was really awesome because growing up, I, I hadn't actually seen an opera until my freshman year of college. So to expose these children that mostly um, the demographic is Title One, so they would not be exposed to this music if we did not come and bring it to them. And so it was really fantastic seeing their excitement about yeah. opera singing and just being mesmerized by the whole experience because I didn't have that growing up and I if I had who knows you know how much sooner I would have fallen in love with opera because I was a late bloomer in that respect mm -hmm. I, I would imagine as a singer it's probably pretty rewarding you know usually young students seeing something like this are very reactive so they they let you know yeah. in the moment how they feel about about things. What is that like for you as a as a singer? Yes, well, just seeing their excitement and uh, sort of interacting with these students, I realized that I could potentially do that full time. It's nothing I'd ever dreamed about. I always thought I would end up teaching at a university, and. That may still be true down the road, but I'm really happy right now with these younger children and making sure that they are exposed to really quality music and have an understanding and appreciation for it, and that they can have fun participating in it. Yeah, so then what is it like for you having students that are your students that you know and, and you've been teaching them, what is it like then to see them experience this opportunity performance as their teacher? Well, yeah, I had no idea what to expect because the music program at my school, the uh, music teachers have been kind of a revolving door. So they haven't had anyone there to really build a music program. There's not a choir. Uh, so they ended up putting about 40 students who wanted to be in PE and choir. And that didn't go well. So it was a really <laughs> rough first semester. And um, I didn't know how they would really feel about it because they're not, you know, I'd say I'm an opera singer and they really didn't understand what that was or, or care. Just asked if I could break glass and that was the <laughs> end of it. So sitting in there, I couldn't even watch the show. I was so shocked to see these students completely mesmerized, just sitting still, you know, the quote unquote difficult students were just sitting and their eyes were just glued to the stage and these performers. And they even, you know, they would thank me when they would see me afterwards. And they really just loved the experience. So it was incredible going from teaching to our having trouble really figuring out how music applies to them and why they need to learn it really to having questions like, oh, you do that, and, you know, can they break glass, and do you know them? And they're just so excited about the whole experience. Yeah. One of the fun aspects of these performances, um, you know, especially the ones that I've seen, 
is that there is that chance for the students to interact with the performers, sometimes during the performance, but also afterwards where they get to ask questions and and have them answered. Um, What what was that like for you as as an artist and and being able to receive their questions and then then answer them in a way that, you know, it's different than if you're talking to an adult or or one of your peers. Uh, What is that like? Well, they they don't have any filter kids. So they'll ask whatever they whatever they felt about the performance they will ask. Whether mm-hmm. I played a lot of villains, so some of the questions would be are you really mean or what, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> why are you so loud? Can you break glass? Just anything that comes to their mind and it's all so new and fresh, especially when it's a school that doesn't have music really. So as an artist, it's nice to be able to sort of just be a human. This is your job. This is what you do. This is what you're passionate about. And you don't have to be, you know, one of the biggest questions I would get is, are you famous? Because they equate singing with fame. And so explaining that you don't, you can make a life in music without being famous, you know, is very new to them. I think that it's really special. You know, a lot of people say we're building, you know, a future generation of opera goers. And I think that's absolutely true. But I also think that this may be the only opportunity for some of these students to ever hear voices like this in their lifetimes. But that's really special as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Janina. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And hopefully you'll be back in the classroom very soon. Thank you so much. So then, Cassie, with the amount of schools in both the Phoenix area and in Tucson and and some surrounding areas throughout the state. Uh, How do you decide who this tour gets performed for and and what does that process look like? Yeah, right now we're at a first come first serve basis. So all of our title one schools that apply um, receive a program for free and we have tons of support from corporate sponsors and individual donors and people like that. And they're really the reason that this, program can continue and we can offer this uh, free programming for Title I schools. Um, So it really is first come, first serve. We fill up really quickly. There's a small charge for non-Title I schools, but um, again, we fill up so quickly with with both groups um, that I have uh, started to think about, you know, how can we grow and how can we expand? But about a year in advance, we start scheduling for the following year. Um, So Right now, I'm scheduling for Tucson and starting to schedule for Phoenix in the following year. And and like I said, I just announce it online and connect with the teachers and they sign up and we have a large number of returning schools. So I know that the students are impacted because everyone wants us back, which is fantastic. And then there's also other opportunities for people to see this tour and see these performances or, or maybe one or two performances, even if it's not at a school. Can you tell us a little bit about those opportunities? Yeah. So in Phoenix uh, and in Tucson, we actually have a very large homeschool community. Um, And as I was doing these tours, I was thinking to myself, you know, we can't go to someone's home and perform this. So how do we reach the homeschool community? And so I decided to have a homeschool performance on a weekday daytime in our Whitcoff Black Box. And 
uh, I was overwhelmed with your response. I, I hate that um, the situation we're in now caused it to cancel, but we almost had a thousand people sign up for this homeschool performance. So we offer that to a homeschool community. And then we also have family day in both Phoenix and in Tucson. Um, we host family day in our Whitcoff black box. And then um, we host the family day in Tucson at the Tucson Museum of Art. We often have an instrument petting zoo, um, and just other arts and crafts activities for the kids to experience while they're there and see the performance with their families. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's interesting that our quickest events to sell out seem to be these family day performances where people are so eager to see them. So it's really remarkable to see. Definitely. My my favorite thing is to see um, grandparents and people like that that have had this love of opera for 50 60 70 years and are sharing it with their grandkids it's it's a really special thing that we all get to be a part of well it's only part of what the education department does at arizona opera you indicated that there are also uh, student night performances can you tell us a little bit more about those sure student night is um, a night that teachers and uh, families can bring their students to watch the opera. Um, Title I schools, again, are free, and non-Title I schools are very um, low cost. And it's a way to introduce kids to opera um, in a little bit of a more inviting setting. So it is the final dress rehearsal. We are still have production working and some tweaks going on in the performance, um, but it really gives them the ability to come see a show um kind of you know there you don't have to be as afraid to whisper a question to your neighbor what happened there and it gives them the opportunity to really learn about an opera and experience it firsthand and the amount of enjoyment that these kids get from attending this opera it's it's amazing to see them dress up and come to the opera and um, when i do my introduction and ask how many students are here for the first time and 90% of the hands in the audience go up. It's just amazing to know that that many people are attending opera for the first time. And the feedback that I get from teachers saying, you know, when's your next student night? They just want to keep coming to see opera. And that's, that's so important. They're seeing a a real main stage opera and, and are learning to love it and um, understand the beauty that, that we're trying to share with the community. On that note, uh, you did introduce me to a teacher who has brought students to multiple of these student night performances, Dylan Suhiro. Um, And so we chatted a little bit about what that experience was like and, and why it was important for him to expose his students to this experience. So let's listen to a little bit of that. My name is Dylan Suhiro. I am currently a graduate student at Arizona State Uh, in conducting, but prior to this, I was teaching in the Parish Valley Unified School District uh, for six years. I started at North Canyon High School after I finished my undergrad, and the next year I also added on Vista Verde Middle School, and so I traveled every day for a few years. I taught band and orchestra at North Canyon, and I taught band at Vista Verde. How, How many different performances did you go to with students? Oh my gosh, I think I tried to go to at least one a year. So, you know, four or five over yeah. the course of, you know, my time there. Great. And so then what did you see with your students going to these performances? Was there anything that stood out to you as far as, 
their reaction? What did they think about seeing opera for the first time? I always made a big deal out of it, and I, I made it, you know, I tried to make it kind of an exclusive group, so they were kind of, like, fighting to get the chance to spend a night out. And and I, I would get a really special night because I would say, all right, we're going to, you know, go get dinner, um, we're going to dress up, we're going to talk about the show, and then we're going to go. Uh, and afterwards, we'll debrief on the ride home. And um, I, I just tried to make it a really special night. Um, but they were just excited to, you know, I guess be a part of something bigger and to, to do something that felt, I don't know, adult, I guess, in a way. Something that's always so interesting to me at these student night performances is when you think about it, most adults in the population, at least in the U.S., uh, ha- don't have exposure to opera or even just thinking about going to an opera uh, seems a little bit intimidating for multiple reasons. You know, people don't know what to wear or they, you yeah. know, they hear that the opera is in a different language. So how could they possibly understand what's going on or, um, you know, many different factors. And I'm always surprised that students seem to have less barriers put up around opera. Um, do you find something similar or, or perhaps something different? Yeah, I think they, they think of them as just stories being told, you know. Um, I think my students in particular, you know, they, being instrumentalists, um, they think first about the music that they're hearing and then go to the dramatic side of it. Um, but either way, there's kind of like this spectacle of, of opera in general, you know, it, it, it does seem kind of fancy. And, and for kids, like, you know, they, I think, have fewer inhibitions about that kind of thing. Well, I'd love to know from you as an educator, how do you feel that going to a student night performance augments the education of these students, particularly the ones that are, are in your performing ensembles, the, the bands and the orchestras? Um, how does that impact their music education? Yeah, so, so two parts, I guess. Uh, one is that I would frequently have guest musicians in my class to, you know, run sectionals or to do like mini performances for my students and just access their musicianship in different ways. And so they're also, you know, having a different perspective other than mine. Um, I'm primarily a trombonist, but I would have, you know, violinists and cellists come in and in particular to, um, who play in the orchestra. And so, you know, sometimes they would talk about their experience playing in the pit and the students would be really interested in just like what that's like, because very few of them would ever really get that opportunity to play in an opera or a musical. And then the other part, I think, is just having uh, an appreciation for, for music that you're not performing yourself. Most of my students, you know, unfortunately don't play after they leave high school for a variety of reasons. But I think one of my goals as a teacher and just as a musician myself is to make sure that my, the people that I come into contact with uh, grow to have an appreciation of music. And so my students, I, I, I wanted them to be able to appreciate this art form that exists and, and to hopefully be consumers of it as adults. And if not, then to at least have a positive memory of it and not one that is, you know, potentially alienating of like, you know, oh, I, I'm intimidated, as you said, uh, by the idea of going to do this fancy thing. Like, it's accessible. Opera is accessible. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for lending your voice and, and lending your insight to this podcast. I'm glad. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for calling
And Cassie, what's the typical age range of students that come to student night? We typically see high school students attending student night. Um, They, especially when the opera is in a different language, um, we kind of see an older crowd, high school and college. But a lot of families attend as well with their younger students for performances like La Boheme. They're great for all ages. And at that student night, I had five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Student night gives an opportunity for parents who want to start their kids on opera that young to even just come for one act and experience that. Um, So really all ages, primarily that high school age is when they're they're really ready to understand and appreciate um, what they're seeing on stage and and develop that passion. Yeah, I I was only there for part of it, but I was at the student night for La Boheme, earlier this season. And if I hadn't known any better, I would have thought I was at uh, some sort of pop concert. Uh, That audience of students was so engaged, um, the cheering that they did for the singers, and also um, the responsiveness to the different jokes on stage or the romance on stage. Uh, I imagine it's that's so much fun for you to watch. It is. I, when talking about opportunity, mentioned the authenticity of young people, and that rolls over right into student night. Their reactions to anything that happens on stage is so authentic, and we know that you know opera is very dramatic, and and the students really, really react to that. And I, like you said, I always say that the performers must feel like they're Taylor Swift walking out on stage because when they do their bows, the audience just erupts with cheering and whistling and and everything. And it it has to feel so amazing. And I just love how authentically real they are and react. And um, there's, there's nothing like that. You don't get that in other performances. And it's so great that they feel like they can react that way. And Um, And I hope that they continue to be so authentic when they're attending these performances. Cassie, as somebody who's a fan of opera and cares about the future of the art form, I know uh, I'm biased, but I am very grateful for the work that you do in bringing this art form to, to so many students. So thank you for that. Thank you. It's it's amazing. I, I always say that I'm lucky to have the job that I have um, and everything that I do is a reward and I'm grateful to be able to provide this opportunity to so many students. If we have people listening to this and they think, um, you know, I would love for my student to have access to this, whether it's your, your child, uh, a grandchild, a neighbor, um, what, what ways can people, how can people get this either to come to their school or, or how can they engage themselves? Yeah, if you go to azopera.org and click on our Learning Connect tab, there's plenty of drop downs for educators and families and uh, communities and for everyone to find exactly what you're looking for um, and uh, visit our calendar to find out what we have going on. It's constantly changing. So I encourage you to look at our website and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're always announcing what we have coming up. Excellent. And if teachers want to reach out directly to you, do you have a, a preferred method for that? Yeah, you can send me an email um, to at education at azopera.org, um, and I will be happy to schedule a performance for you and your students next year. Time allowing, I guess, or rather schedule permitting. <laughs> right. We can, we can only hope everything goes back to normal in, in August or September.
Yeah, that would be really nice. Uh, I should also mention that uh, if you're interested in supporting these programs that we're discussing or uh, other programs at Arizona Opera that work on uh, continuing this art form specifically in our community, you can visit azopera.org slash nextgen uh, to learn more about this and other programs and provide support there. Well, thanks again, Cassie. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, You and I will be talking much more. And uh, to our audience members, uh, we'll be back with you uh, in a short period of time talking about some more of our next-gen programs. But thanks again, Cassie. Thanks for having me. And thank you, our audience members, for listening to this episode of the Arizona Opera Podcast. And please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. The 2019-2020 season of the Arlen M. Brewster Opportunity Program is sponsored in part by Wells Fargo, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona, Invest in Kids Charitable Fund, the Marino Family Foundation, Arizona Republic, Comerica Bank, Cardinals Charities, the Krumholtz Foundation, City of Peoria, Kiwanis of Litchfield, Film and Gorin Fund held at Community Foundation for Southern Arizona, the William E. Hall Foundation held at the Community Foundation for Southern Arizona, Desert Diamond Casino West Valley, and the John F. Long Foundation. Student Night at the Opera is sponsored in part by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona. I'm Kyle Homewood. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Arizona Opera Podcast. <laughs>